When you drive with Uber, what moves you moves us. That's why we help drivers keep moving with support in app, in a local green light hub, or by phone 24 7 to help them do what matters most to them in life. What moves me? It's my daughter. She loves boxing. So I want to help her to do everything she needs to be great. Uber. What moves you moves us. Get started with support when you sign up to drive with us at uber.com slash drive. Experiences driving with Uber may vary. Welcome to the Gut Check Project with your host, Dr. Ken Brown. I'm Eric Rieger. We got Jeff Collins on the board. Chef Patrick somewhere back there in the booth. And here at the GCP, we all check our ego at the door and nothing is off the table. It's now episode 11. Ken, how are you doing today? Episode 11. I think if we ever use that motto of nothing's off the table, today's show is really going to uh, demonstrate that. I think we're going to go all over the place today. Man, no joke. I really hope that the audience that's been growing, the emails that keep coming in, and uh, that what they see today is that we, we know we, we've talked science, we've talked health. Today, we're going to talk a lot about fun. We've had, we've had some great shows about charity, giving back, feeling better. Today, it's kind of laughter is the best medicine. Yeah, so this is our guest today. Um, it's super interesting guy. Um, it, it, before we even begin talking about that, I want to, uh, I have a riddle for you. A riddle? For a me. riddle. Okay, all right. Do you know what a playboy photographer, a grounded pilot, a comedian, and medical marijuana all have in common? They are hard to major in? They are... Hard to major in, but that's not the answer. Okay. I don't know what the answer is, but our guest, Rick Moore, <laughs> is going to solve the riddle for us. Nice, nice. He brings uh, kind of brings all of that together. So he's, he's rolling around with a new, a new moniker that we gave him, the, uh, the Josh of some trades. Instead of the jack of all trades, <laughs> we have today on our show, the Josh of some trades. He is, um, he's mediocre at everything. That's awesome. If you want to be entertained, today's going to be a great show. Uh, Rick Moore brings, uh, well, he brings a lot of energy. He's got some fantastic stories. And, uh, well, I, I think that we'll be a little bit captivated. I hope that we'll stay on time. Well, what's so awesome is, is that a guy like this actually has been watching several of our shows. And he has experience with stem cells. Yes. He had got his pilot's license, and we've had a pilot on. We've had stem cell expert on. And, of course, uh, Rick is now actually the owner of Redbud Medical MJ in Oklahoma City. Just opened it. And like a true entrepreneur that uh, is doing things, he just jumped in with both feet and said, sure, I'll get my license. I need a grow license. He got a grow license. And now he's got this dispensary called Redbud Medical MJ. And what's amazing about it is... He actually is the first dispensary to be carrying my baby, Atron Teal, and our CBD, KBMD Health CBD, the only physician-recommended CBD available right now. Amazing. Uh, uh, Rick is already, I'm already a big fan of Rick, but I tell you what, there's kind of kindred spirits. I feel like that I kind of already know, not him so much, but kind of the journey of doing just a bunch of different things. It's kind of cool to meet somebody else who's like, I like doing this, and now I like doing that, because it's... It's a lot of fun. There's not a whole lot of uh, there's not a whole lot of podcast or broadcasting training in anesthesia school. Yeah, and I saw him walk in with a big cup of coffee. So you're gonna want to listen to the rest of the show because when three <laughs> ADD people are severely caffeinated, something fun's gonna happen. What are we talking about? <laughs> well, hey, I take I'm ready for Rick to to join us here and uh, here at the bottom of the hour. But first, I kind of screwed up last week. We started off the show by saying that we were going to develop a contest and yes 
Martha, um, uh, Karen, James, several others. I've got your email. We didn't make good on the contest that we were going to create, so we're going to do it this time. But I love the fact that we had people email. So maybe it was just an email trick. I don't really what know. What about the conference? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the contest. Yeah. So here it is. We thought about it. Do you like to win $100? $100. That's very important to me. I love to win things when when it takes very little effort, and this is all that you have to do. So here's our contest. Step one, Gut Check Project. Go to YouTube, search Gut Check Project. You'll find our channel. You'll see the little blue microphone that says KBMD on the top. So go to YouTube, go to the Gut Check Project channel. Step two, subscribe. Subscribe to the Gut Check Project. All that does, it doesn't cost you a thing. It basically just means that every time we have a new episode that publishes, it goes into your YouTube account. You'll always be made aware, hey, there's an episode here that you may want to check out. Step three, just take a screenshot, whether you do it with your phone or whether you do it with your computer, just take a screenshot and save it somewhere where you can hang on to it. And I'll get to that here in just a moment. So step number four, you just go to gutcheckproject.com you click connect, send us a message, and I made a little drop down that says, I subscribe to GCP. That's all you have to do. You send us a message, say hi, say hello, love the show, whatever you wish to do, and then you'll send that message. So, all right. So, step, wait, step, step five. Oh, one, one we got step. five steps. Okay. Five steps, five steps to win. Step five, just repeat that same sequence with iTunes. So, you got YouTube and you got iTunes. You're just going to subscribe to the Gut Check Project on both of those. Send us an email saying that you did it. And then at the end of June, we're going to randomly select five winners. Five winners? Five winners. They will all receive the fantastic, newly released, only physician-recommended branded CBD, KBMD CBD, whether you want natural flavor or cinnamon, doesn't matter. What's the going value of that right now? MSRP Online? is actually $89. We have it for $79, but they get it for free. But it doesn't stop there. Am I excluded from entering this? Because this sounds like a really good thing. You've already subscribed. Oh, boy. I know. It's too bad. But you simply just subscribe, and then you're already entered to win. And you get to tell us, do you want natural or sentiment? And then that's one month supply. One month supply right there. And then you also get a one-month supply of Altron Teal packaged, sent to you just for saying thanks. And don't stop there. If you want to enter a few more times, have your kids do the same thing. Have your spouse, your friends, your parents, whomever, just have them subscribe to Gut Check Project channel on YouTube and iTunes. Go and uh, send us a message through gutcheckproject.com. You'll see Connect. Send us a message. And then once we have all of those, we can't wait to welcome our new and growing family to the Gut Check Project. I love that. I think that sounds like a great thing. So for us ADD people, let's walk through the five steps super quick. Super quick. Number one, what is it? Go to YouTube and subscribe to Gut Check Project channel. Number two, what is it? Subscribe. Number three. Take a screenshot with your phone or computer. Number four. Go to gutcheckproject.com, click connect, and send us a message that says I subscribed. And number five. Repeat the same steps with iTunes. Love so it. why you have to save that picture is if we select your name, we're just going to send you a message to say, hey, you won. Send us your picture. Mm -hmm. Send that picture. You've got it. 
And uh, that's it. And share with everybody. Share with anyone. So there's probably people out there that know one or the other, Atron Teal or CBD. But let let me tell you why it's super important to have both at the same time. We found out that the polyphenols in Atrantil actually help raise your own endocannabinoids. So these two work together. CBD and Atrantil go hand in hand because they help each other out. So if you're one of these people that's scared of losing, I have a way that everybody can win 100% of the time. Well, how's that? Well, if they go to lovemytummy.com slash Spoonie, yes. put in code Spoonie, you get a huge discount on Atron Teal. So there's another contest that you're guaranteed to win. Every time. Every single time you can do that. And you can get the benefits of polyphenols to include exercise recovery, to include gut health, brain health. And while you're there, go to KBMD Health and get yourself a bottle of CBD. Easy enough. You can. Everyone's a winner if they just follow those steps. It's really all there is to it. So um, why don't you take us out of contest mode and tell us a little bit about what's going on in the uh, Brown household. In the Brown household. So this past weekend, um, me and Lucas traveled to balmy Houston for a big trend, a big tennis tournament. Oh yeah. Super proud of him. He actually won the whole thing. Um, love, you know, I mean, there's, we, that's the beauty of tennis. You get out there alone and you, you win with grace and you lose with grace. And this time, you know, fortunately he pulled it off and he won. Um, I did get, uh, my first taste of what happens when a monsoon shows up to Houston, <laughs> it goes from dry to, a, you know, like three feet of water in a second. That was, we were driving and it just started coming down and I'm like, oh my goodness. Now I see why people talk about flooding in Houston. It's like a bowl. It just collects everything. Like the street literally was a foot of water within like 15 minutes. It was nuts. Houston people are tough. I mean, that, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's not even the first time that's even happened. I mean, it just, it seems like that's, Every few years, they take on a serious flood. It was just two years ago they had uh, Harvey, right? Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, I'm going to get this wrong. Somebody will end up correcting me, but that was like over 50 inches of rain in just five hours or something. That is nuts. How many homes were washed away? Oh, it's crazy. This stuff is crazy. I I mean, that kind of puts everything in perspective. You know, we, we worry about the day-to-day, you know, little annoyances. Yeah. But, you know, when stuff like that happens, it just puts it all in perspective. The year that uh, that Marie and I moved from the Houston area, we lived in League City. Uh, it it flooded maybe a month after we had left there. And the, the home that we had down in League City was, uh, I think, two and a half or three feet into water. And uh, the uh, I remember there was a story of a, of a, of a worker in, in one of the high-rises downtown. Mm-hmm. Happened to be in the basement just just doing what she was doing. And as she was leaving, the water came so fast that she tried to basically leave. Oh, no. Yeah, in the elevator. I mean, it's just, it's wild how quickly, even they're really, really close to sea level. It just floods so fast. Yeah, it really does. But so would, um, it was awesome to um, see Lucas win that. It was Mother's Day as well. We were, you know, the, the gift to uh, his mother was winning this tournament. So. And my daughter was also playing in a tournament also, so it was a big tennis weekend for the Brown household. She did well. Didn't win it, but you know, did well. And It's always a growing process. So what happened in the Rieger household? So for uh, both of my boys, both active, uh, both of them had uh, basketball tournaments this last weekend. One of them was, was uh, outside of Fort Worth and Mansfield, and uh, the other was all the way down in San Antonio. So Marie and I all, uh, had already committed to packing up and, and rolling with the uh, the older one down to San Antonio to go see Gage play. And my mom was uh, gracious enough to 
accommodate getting Mac back and forth to his games over the weekend, and uh, they both they both played great. And base well, Gage ended up coming up a little short to win their tournament. I think Mac was one game short of winning theirs also. But again, just another great round of of basketball for both of them. But it is odd, and I frankly I don't really enjoy it when you have kind of a big family holiday or something that's recognized and you've got that because it's you want to balance things and you want you know you want your spouse to be able to enjoy the time with both of her kids and then at the same time you want to be able to touch base with your mom so my boys just said well we're just going to arbitrarily move mother's day to monday and they ended up selecting they they got uh, marie some fresh oysters we had tuna steak we had some great vegetables uh, my wife is gluten-free, and so we went and got some great gluten-free dessert for her to enjoy. She had a great time, and they are all going to go ride uh, go-karts together as uh, as mom and boys uh, this coming weekend. So that's Sweet. going to be the activity. My mom and I are going to meet for dinner. We actually haven't had our exchange yet, so I think that we're going to do that this weekend. And then, But as a family, what we're doing, and I think that you're doing it also, is Generosity Feeds. Oh, Generosity Feeds. That's this weekend. That's, that's this awesome. Weekend. Yeah. A baby bathwater member, right? It, definitely. Ron Kablundi, we're going to yes. go. And, and uh, Ron. Ron has put together a fantastic uh, uh, service where he goes to different communities and helps people feed the needy in the area. And you just come together. If you're a company that's giving of your time or just a family, you can go and participate. And you put in some hours in the morning packing meals, getting stuff together, raising money to feed people that need to eat and yeah walk. i signed up yeah so that's i totally forgot that, that it was actually on this weekend that's gonna be awesome giving back that's the important thing yeah absolutely ron of mod pizza ron so it's uh can't uh, can't wait to to see everyone this weekend on saturday that's gonna be awesome i um i was gonna jump into my science article which is all about cbd and depression and it's really cool and then something pissed me off oh yeah what's that this news article uh it's all over the news right now you may be seeing it where it says, study, skipping breakfast increases risk of heart disease by 87%. So if you're somebody out there and you're getting on Huffington Post or you're looking at USA Today or Fox News or something, this study came out. Okay. Now, I, it so happens that I follow a guy that I really respect, Peter Adia, cardiothoracic surgeon, oh, really yeah. cool dude, goes on Joe Rogan all the time. And um, you know he's somebody that lives, he lives the same way that, that, that I like. He looks at the data. He says, this appears to work. This doesn't. He is um, a big proponent of circadian rhythm eating, which is what Sachin Panda did all his research on. And so he's got great data to show that actually eating within a restricted time window is much healthier for you. Sure. The only reason why it pissed me off is because I'm looking at this and I got to thinking that uh, looking back, Peter Adia actually sent a blog out uh, this morning on this and the origin of breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Were you ever told that before? I've heard it a lot. Yeah. That was actually generated by General Foods in 1944 for the launch of Grape Nuts. Oh, wow. It, it worked. It worked. <laughs> They're like, okay, look, guys, here's the problem. We have an awful tasting cereal. <laughs> it's like chewing rocks. Yeah. But, you know, it's the it's the boss's kid that came up with it. We have to figure a way to get people to eat this crap. So <laughs> how do we do it? Let's launch a campaign that says breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Okay. And it's stuck. So these news outlets, they're picking up on this study right here. And when you actually look at it, they're doing the same thing that we've discussed about other types of studies. Like when they look at um, 
retrospective analysis. So this is a study of a study. Yeah. So what they did is they looked at um, a, it was a large, what's called a prospective cohort study where they have been following the same group of people for years and years and years. And they looked at them after 19 years and then decided what they died of. And then they looked and they, on the questionnaire, somehow they have a questionnaire. Did you eat breakfast? Did you not eat breakfast? So those that ate breakfast apparently lived 87% decrease in mortality. Hmm. Okay. We're going to get to that. Those that ate breakfast. So it's really funny what they didn't discuss. So this is one of those examples where it's like, it's like everything. I get it. These websites and stuff, they have to grab your attention. Sure. They have to sit there and do this. Otherwise, nobody's going to read anything. These studies want to be dramatic so that they get published. So what they did is they looked at this cohort of people 19 years later. And, you know, so Eric Rieger dies 19 years from now. And it's like, did he eat breakfast? Yes. No. Okay. Oh, wow. He lived X amount of years more. Sure. They didn't. They tried to account for extraneous factors is what they call them. What is, yeah, what does that even mean? Well, that just means a lot of things. What they did note is this. This is pretty funny. Those that didn't eat breakfast mm-hmm. tended to be unmarried, okay. smokers, heavy drinkers, and come from low-income areas. It, this is not apples to apples to no, find out. No, it's not. That's why it pissed me off. Yeah. Because these things come out, and I've got data. Now, I'm personally, I'm a circadian rhythm eater, meaning that I try and wait at least 12 hours between uh, turning on my digestive system. Sure. So I believe that based on Sachin Panda's data, that is really good, that intermittent fasting, essentially this is what it's called also, but trying to do it to a circadian rhythm, meaning let your body shut down, let it wake up, then you can feed it. For instance, if you eat about four hours before you go to bed, melatonin starts to rise a little bit and it turns your pancreas off. When you eat, you stop that process. Right. So there's a reason why when we were cavemen, you would quit eating at a certain time because there was no sun. You couldn't go find the food. Our bodies are built to do that. So then we know that there's all this incredible data. Uh, Melanie Avalon, who does the- uh, Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I went on her podcast. Which she's going to ask you back on here- Really, really soon. Oh, is she really? Absolutely. I love that girl. Yeah, she's awesome. That is a great example. We have people out there that are looking at the science, but nobody's publishing. It's not going on Fox News. Here's the worst part. This is published in the Journal of Cardiology. That is garbage. That's a that's a garbage approach to uh, to really sensationalize the, the piece, it, it appears to me. You may as well say that uh, study reveals that uh, serial killers at one point wore tennis shoes. I mean, seriously, that's that's the only application. There's no control. Well, it's just, it's, it's so frustrating because all they're doing is looking back. When you have people out there that are currently doing the science right now, right? when you look at, and you know what, quite honestly, I don't even need science. No. I don't need any of that. Because I know that Hugh Jackman got ready to be Wolverine by doing intermittent fasting. Yeah, and that's proof. He's jacked, man. We That's saw Hugh it. Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he got he got lean. So what's what's interesting is that they don't even get into the actual relative risk. So healthy users, um, they didn't analyze like what people were eating for breakfast. Right. They didn't get into 
any of yeah, that. Yeah, that's really important too. And so remember, this is General Foods. And so it's like, oh, do we go back to eating Lucky Charms in the morning? Because oh. the study says this and people go, oh, I want to decrease my mortality by 80%, 87%. When you actually look at the numbers in the study, if you look at the relative risk, mm-hmm. the relative risk in those that ate breakfast was 10.7%. Those that didn't, 122 <sighs> And so it's a, it comes into, you know, it's the, um, clickbait type thing. It's not, it's all it is. So let, let me ask you, so, uh, the listeners can have a little bit of a takeaway. If somebody does want to continue to eat breakfast and well, obviously I think what we're, what we're saying here is if you're an intermittent faster and you wait until a certain time of the day, the evidence doesn't show that there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. And then the other thing to take away is there, are, there are those who do like to still eat breakfast. I'm actually one of them. I like to move my window up of when I eat. During the day, that's kind of my my window. Not not that I would never adjust it, but what would you recommend that somebody start off a day of eating? It's obviously not going to be great nuts or lucky charms, kind of like what you hinted at. Well, so let's yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's the, the General Foods is one that came up with that statement, right? Sure. I'm trying to think of that little label, and I'm thinking, is that on Cocoa Puffs? Is that on Fruity Pebbles? Right. Is that on Cookie Crisp? They have a cereal when I grew up called Cookie Crisp. Sure. I don't think it went anywhere either. I think it's still here. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's nuts, right? Or, or frosted flakes frosted it's not it's not angel you know it's not angel hair that's on there it's just <laughs> sugar but i mean it, but it it's it's right and i even thought about that not that long ago about how many bowls of cereal as a kiddo did i put away we all ate cereal i didn't think a thing about it and the uh <clears throat> what was it the uh captain crunch berries you eat and you save all the berries oh. to the end and then and then you you, you take the, the berries down and then you, sir, you, you slurp up the milk because it tastes great. Well, it's all baited in sugar. And then even though uh, you're, the roof of your mouth from, from Captain Crunch is all beat up, you kind of like it. It's kind of like that good hurt. You know, <laughs> kind of weird. The Captain Crunch good hurt. Yeah. What, what's wrong? Why can't you talk? Oh, man, I had great cereal, man. I don't know. But it's, it's, it's weird that we were all conditioned to think that that was all okay. And really looking back at it, I've changed the way that I consume breakfast in the morning for years i don't get fatigued i'm not starving by the time lunch comes around either i'm a bacon and eggs kind of guy yeah so let's i mean when i sit there and think about this and unfortunately i think that um when you have the journal of american cardiology putting this out there and i get it somebody took a lot of time to look at the data and they go yeah but the data says this i'm like yeah but the the responsible news outlets are not sharing it the way that it should be shared. That's exactly right. And when we sit there and talk about this, it's not just it's breakfast. It's what are you eating for breakfast? Because remember, what happens is when you have a highly absorbable carbohydrate, sugary, sugar, sugar is a pro-inflammatory thing, which is everything in moderation. That's cool. Carbohydrates are, are, are good for you. Sure. But what happens is you eat it. And this is why I, I discuss this with my patients all the time. The sugar gets absorbed. Your pancreas sees this rise in sugar, goes, oh, I need to produce some insulin. Yep. And then the insulin slowly rises to match this spike, but then that gets absorbed right away. So your sugar drops, but your insulin is a hormone that floats around and it's your body feels bad. Yeah. And then it becomes a cycle of I need to eat. I need to get something in me now because I don't feel good. And then you eat that donut. Literally, the worst thing you could do is eat a glazed donut and a cup of coffee. Yeah. Because the coffee actually turns on your metabolism. You're going to metabolize that donut quicker, and you're going to have that spike insulin horrible thing. So when people tell me that they're like, oh, man, I've really tried to quit eating sugar, but I really, I, I have hypoglycemia. No, you don't. Right. You don't have hypoglycemia. What you have is a correct response to the sugar that you're eating. So when you sit there and name all these cereals, 
I remember absolutely crashing in grade school. Like crash. Sure. Yeah. Ten o'clock, just going. Oh, this is awful. Yeah. If you're if you if we're being honest, and you had the high sugar breakfast as a kid, and you think about how much you wanted to get to lunch, both to relax and then take in more food, that really wasn't natural. But I I I knew no better at, at all. Uh, we've got one minute. One minute. Uh, do you have anything to add to that study? That's no, I was just going to say that uh, next week. Um, the one that I really went deep diving into, which is super cool. So if you know anybody that has depression or anxiety, tune in next week because I'm going to review a just published article where it looks at how CBD on a cellular level can fix your depression. That's fantastic. Uh, and, and of course, if you'll have any questions that you'd like to uh, have answered about CBD and depression. Same thing, kbmdhealth.com. Go to the connect, submit them. So let's start... Uh, Start that process where people have already kind of taken the liberty of, of uh, posing some questions. Um, so here in about 20 seconds, we are going to be joined here in the next half hour by Rick Moore. Be prepared for some great stories. A pilot, a photographer for Playboy, uh, an entrepreneur, a hilarious guy. We will see you here in about two minutes. Awesome. Let's have some fun. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. Never Forgotten Apparel is more than just a premium women's and men's clothing line. It's a movement to remind us to wear American-made and serve those who serve us. Our heroes. Never Forgotten Apparel gives 20% of their total sales to nonprofits that support homeless veterans and off-duty firefighters. And 50% to individual veterans and firefighters in need nationwide. Check out NeverForgottenApparel.com. Use promo code MATT, M-A-T-T, and get 15% off your purchase. Dr. Ken Brown here, host of Gut Check Project with my co-host Eric Rieger. I've seen in my practice that Atron deals a whole lot more than just a bloating product. Yes, it does a whole lot more than just fix bloating because of the polyphenols that you find in Atron What are some of the things that these polyphenols do, Eric? These polyphenols can help you have more energy and polyphenols are great for athletes. It sounds like it's going to help a whole lot more people than just bloating. Go to lovemytummy.com slash spoonie. That last commercial, they uh, those two guys sound like amateurs. They really need to spend a little more money on their uh, on their talent around here. Those guys need training like no other. <laughs> well, hey, we are back now with our second half hour. To my right now is Rick Moore, and R- as we've dubbed him, the Josh of some traits. Yeah, so Rick Moore, um, we've uh, 
Thank you for sending over your resume. There's a few things that are uh, pretty pretty <laughs> impressive with Rick Moore. Um, Rick Moore is the only man to ever make a pancake on a waffle iron. Thank you. Impressive. Uh, I heard that you counted to infinity twice. It was tough, but, you know, I just kept going and I powered through it. <laughs> you know, that one I thought was impressive, but that, that time that you beat the sun in a staring contest? It, it, you know, my eyes are, they're a little itchy now, actually. They are. But. Yeah. I was impressed earlier when you came in, but, um, because I did not know this. When Rick Moore enters a room, he doesn't turn the lights on. He turns the dark off. I, I say luke i'm your father backwards in my mind and, and that's, that's how you do that yeah that's how it works so <laughs> he's also known as he's rick moore bitch <laughs> you know what i've always wanted to say that <laughs> i'm rick moore bitch <laughs> you gotta fulfill it for sure <laughs> rick go ahead and just tell us a little bit about who you are well okay i i'm I'm a little modest. I never go out like in a situation and say, oh, you know what? I'm a Playboy photographer. I never do things like that. But it was something that I earned and I felt really strongly about. I was really happy about. Uh, that was a very long-term goal. And it's so important, you know, when you're a kid, achieving little things so that when you're older, you can focus on something. And uh, you're a doctor. You, you're an anesthesiologist. You, you CRNA, know, same, it, sort of same thing. Those things are long-term goals, and it takes a perseverance to get there. Playboy photographer, it sounds all fun and great, but it doesn't just, you know, people think, oh, wow, you know, I was in the grocery store line, and somebody said, hey, by the way, you want to be a Playboy photographer? I was like, yeah, why not? You know, yeah, <laughs> that did not happen. And the pilot, I'm still... Well, wait, let's... Yeah, wanna, go ahead. I want to get back because I've seen your pictures and it's really impressive. When people hear that, they just think, oh, he's a Playboy photographer. But the reality is, how did you get into photography? It's, you're welcome to cut me off at any time. But I started out when I graduated from high school. I wasn't sure what to do. My grandfather became ill in California. And I had no experience with this, but my father promoted me to caregiver. And so I how went out you? and I took care of him as he was terminally ill with prostate cancer. Wow. And I never really knew the guy. And it was amazing. We bonded together. We had the best time. The guy had all these Oklahoma sayings like, well, that's like a bird on the grapevine whistling through the tree. You know, it's like, what, <laughs> what is that? And, and How old were you when you were doing this? I was 17. Wow. And, and well, I was turning 18. I turned 18 that summer. And uh, when he passed away, uh, my father had come out. It, it became too much for me to really, he, he went back into the hospital care facility and then I would just go visit him. And my father came back in and after he passed, um, my father gave me his camera. And you know, I think most teenagers, they're really looking for something like, oh, I want to play guitar. Nothing, man, no matter how many lessons I had, nothing. And different things like that. You want to stand out in some way. And for some reason, the genetics that I received, I had a technical side and an artistic side. And at that time, a film camera, which is very different from a digital camera, had certain hurdles that you had to, you had to be able to fly over those. And so my technical side was able to do that. My artistic side from my mom, just she gave me a natural eye for composition. And 
immediately I broke something on the camera. There were no instructions. It was completely manual, no light meter. So I would just go and ask every camera salesman I could find, why did this mm -hmm. picture not work? And it was a great conversation as well. It was very interactive. And my mom gave me Did any of them comment that maybe this camera was really old, special, anything <laughs> like that since your grandfather gave it to you? No, you know what? I think it's a it's a great path because the problem with a f uh, and it, the incredible cameras of today, they just take good pictures. The most important thing about photography first is your eye. And some people can just, you know, the camera's doing so many things automatically for them. They have a great eye. But when you have to do everything yourself, mm -hmm. you really have to look at what light is doing and what shadow is doing. And those are what make a great photograph of a flattering photograph, an unflattering photograph, a dramatic photograph, a flat, boring photograph. And so by starting from that basic foundation where I, I met the guy uh, – that shot a lot of the Marlboro ads. Oh, okay. Uh -oh. And in his talk, he he doesn't use a light meter. He just used those sheets that came with a, a package of film. And he knew light so well. He knew at the middle of the day it was F-16 at F-125. Why do I need a light meter? That's what it is. Wow. And that's consistent every single day that it's sunny. At that time of day, it's always the same exposure on that ESO. So what, what was your first paid gig to be a photographer? <sighs> wow, that was so long ago. You know, what I did was, um, and we didn't talk about any of this, but I worked on my master's um, at OU, and something that was more astounding to a, a friend of mine, we went on a trip to Columbia's, I taught his friend in college. I was an instructor as I was working on my <laughs> oh, master's. Awesome. And he didn't care anything. I thought, oh, he's going to be saying the Playboy thing all the time. Never mentioned, he goes, this was my buddy Roger's professor in, in college. Well, I wasn't a professor. I was an instructor. Mm -hmm. But that was an awesome, awesome experience. And the whole communication thing was awesome. So when I left that, instead of going on in that direction and becoming a scholar, which would have been ill-fated, I went towards my dream of photography and I started assisting in Dallas. And I assisted for, I thought it was going to be probably two months. And it was five years. And that's where I got my photographic education. There were tremendous, incredible photographers in, in Dallas. And I focused on assisting the ones that had gone to a particular school in California. There were two great schools, uh, the Art Center School of Design and uh, Brooks. And I assisted probably every photographer in Dallas that, uh, graduated from the art center. So how do you get in there? You thought it was going to be two months, and then suddenly now it turns into five years. What what kept what kept you going? You know, it was the knowledge, and mm -hmm. I was getting paid. Like I, I I didn't realize. I mean, I was a lazy teenager. You know, I could lay in front of a television for a very long time. Not a problem to you. Yeah, my mom even. <laughs> I, I told her. I said, you know, mom, I feel guilty. And she had something written for me in, in calligraphy. Uh, the time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. And later in life, she said, I knew you were going to be a busy person. And I knew that that time wouldn't always be there for you. What was the um, baby bathwater lecture that that guy that I, that I think is amazing, the neuroscientist? Jack. Uh, 
Yeah, his name's Jack. We heard this great lecture that um, he's a neuroscientist, and he yeah. was talking about how in the periods of what people would describe as boredom, oh yeah, 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 comes genius. So we don't allow ourselves to be bored. We don't allow ourselves to sit there and let our minds wander like that. If you've got a very creative mind, you know, so there. So sitting in front of TV, I, I wouldn't say that you're lazy. It just seemed like you were subconsciously planning what was going to happen. You know what's interesting about that is in this current day, and, and in my, uh, I drive to South Texas nine hours every month for my mom and, and come back. And during that time, I listen to audiobooks. Uh, but I, I, and they're, they're not, I'm not learning anything. They're science fiction, but I've noticed that I used to just drive and just, you know, you'd blank out and then you'd start daydreaming and you'd start thinking of things. Uh -huh. And I've been, I've been pondering that of like, you know what? I really need to have that time back where I'm bored and my mind wonders because that is, it is really important. That's where a lot of cool stuff comes from. All right, so you're doing this. I mean, ultimately, I'm interested. How do we how do we go from there to being one of the uh, best Playboy photographers? I mean, you've done covers. You did that for years. So where do we go from there to actually get in to be the the chosen one to do Playboy photography? Oh, by the way, let's go ahead and mention something. This is pre Photoshop. Oh yeah, right. Oh yes, big difference. That's a, yeah. What, <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, when we were talking a little earlier, I was like, "Oh yeah, Photoshop did not exist. <laughs> they did have, you know." And, and the thing about being the difference between a Playboy photographer and a fashion photographer at that in that period in film, a fashion photographer could shoot a roll of thirty six frames, get two frames that were spectacular, like the everything just came together. And then the other 34 frames were That's blown. Yeah. As a Playboy photographer, what everyone has this dream, oh, I'd love to do that. The editors at Playboy, uh, and we do this uh, seminar together now where I get to talk with them. And one, the, he, Gary Cole, he was the head Playboy editor of all photography for like 35 years. And he said, you know, it wasn't our job to be friends with the photographers it was our job to get the most out of them mm -hmm. and so if i sent in 36 frames and one frame was out of focus or poorly composed or you couldn't clearly see the eyelashes of the model under a loop mm -hmm. i was in trouble so a playboy photographer had to be able to get 36 frames not two in focus composed perfectly lit and the only variations are what the model brought to it, you know, like our interaction. And what you were saying about, well, how did I get to be a Playboy photographer? It has to do with the ability for somebody to become at ease okay. in an awkward environment. Most Playboy models were not models. They were girls next door. I did a lot of the castings, met a lot of the girls beforehand. They had never done anything like this. Sure. And so my longtime assistant and i as i was an assistant to a playboy photographer we weren't serious on set we weren't uh trying to figure out who was going to get a date we were laughing we were focused on trying to do a great job and the model could she could feel that you, you were know? interviewing somebody with a camera you were getting the best out of them yes we were doing everything to support her, make her feel safe. And after a while, you know, we're cracking up. The crew is cracking up. Makeup artist, 
uh, stylist. We are all just, this is our work and we're comfortable with it. And the model would kind of feel that. And after a while, just like, you know, oh yeah, I'm great. I'm good with all this. And that's very different from a guy with a camera trying to replicate those photographs. It's the part they miss. A couple of thoughts come to mind. And one of them is obviously the, the, the guy with the camera has to be probably the center of great interaction received by the model so that they know that they're having a conversation with the same person who has right. the camera. Another one is whenever you take you back to when you said all 36 frames had to be on point, essentially don't right. have anything out of focus. So it sounds to me like whenever you were taking those, you were pushing the button, you wanted to every, every single one of those was executed with purpose. It wasn't, a string of hold the button down and you hear the choo 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 of the camera it's this is the shot that i want i've i've got it i've got this person in their best present mode etc i mean can you kind of take me how how do you how do you commit to pushing the button and trying to hit 36 out of 36 times well the other thing you just mentioned about the focus this is pre autofocus oh yeah and so you are focusing on somebody you're involved in that dynamic and so it, for me, it, I, it's, it's easy for me to have a conversation. It's easy for me to operate a camera. Doing both is a bit of a stretch. Yeah. And uh, so that, you know, that's something that I had to work on during those five years of being an assistant. I assisted a Playboy photographer and I watched him. And it was really funny because I would set up his lights. I would do all this uh, and and i thought okay i've got this and then i would do my own test and i didn't have it and i was like man how do i not have this and he told me after about a year he's very generous with me and he said i have a fudge factor i don't i don't go by the light meter i go by what i feel the exposure should be mm -hmm. and he was really good at directing you know doing this multitasking and so i i was able to learn that way you know by watching and listening do you feel like having to commit to each one of the pictures that you took oh yeah made sure. uh, made you make certain that the conversation was far more personal because you're just like you said you're directing mm -hmm. you're helping them make this image exactly how you know that it's going to pass muster so the conversation's really going versus just standing there and kind of losing some of your personality hitting the button over and over again with with quote unquote throwaways, which you didn't have, you didn't want throwaways. You wanted every frame. I could, yeah, I couldn't have. I'd yeah. get in trouble. Right. And and that I mean, it's I'm not saying that lightly. I got in trouble. Like I got you know, uh, people don't realize when a Playboy editor wants the best out of you. Right. It's not necessarily gentle. <laughs> it's interesting because you can't you can't have self doubt either. I mean, you have to be in a flow state is what I'm thinking. Like you yeah. have to get yourself in, in in a certain place because if you're doubting, if you're going out oh, the editor is not going to like that, it's going to show up. That's the, I think that's what's so impressive about why there's certain like world renowned photographers and everybody that has a camera trying to be one. There's, there's a gift there somewhere. Definitely. Well, you know, my father was a geologist and then he became an entrepreneur. He didn't want to work for the man. He wanted to do his own thing mm -hmm. and he became a builder and real estate investor. He, could not understand why I wanted to be a photographer. And 
unfortunately, he passed away in 92 from a glioblastoma, but Ooh. he got to see me in the zone one time really? when we were traveling to California together and we were at a rest stop and I saw something and it, it was very weird for anyone to see something in that environment. And I, I went into the zone and he got to see it and I didn't know he was seeing it. After we got in the car and we started driving, he was like, I, I, get, I get it now. That's why so you awesome. want to be a photographer because I, you were so in that you yeah. know and then he saw the photographs and it blew him away it was not you know it wasn't what you saw with your naked eye it was what's in the frame how i exposed it and do you remember the exact feeling that you had when you were in that zone oh yeah describe it to me everything else goes away i'd say it's kind of like meditation you know where um I see what can be in that photograph, but in the days of film, you can't see what's going to happen. And I like what separated the men from the boys in film photography is shooting negative film had a lot of latitude. You could be off a lot shooting slide film or chrome film. You couldn't be off at all. And so I shot chrome film uh, because that's I, I aspired to shoot for a magazine i aspired to be one of those guys and that's what they shot when you were in that that period when you were in that flow state was it hot what did it look like what was the air like how did you feel describe i didn't you know situation. what the, the, and i can say this for my playboy shoots because it happened so often while i was shooting i wasn't hungry i wasn't hot i wasn't cold i wasn't thirsty i was just in it after I finished shooting, I was like, after that had gone away for a little while, then I was starving and I was tired and I needed to sit down and rest. But while I was in that zone, it was, you know, your, your basic needs are met. You know, you don't need stuff. The reason why I'm trying to get you to think of the exact moment and the mood that you were in. Uh-huh. We, Eric and I were lucky enough to meet up with a guy named Michael Burnoff last weekend or two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks. In Scottsdale. And he is a neuro-linguistic programming expert. Oh, interesting. NLP. And when you were describing this, you're describing a time, how many years ago was that? Oh, man. That would have been like 1990. So in 1990, you're describing it to me and I can see it. Like it happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. You have that memory burnt in you. Sure. The thing, one of the things about NLP is that, and I'm just learning this, but this is what something I want to get really good at because doing exactly what you just said, you were in a flow state. NLP has something called anchoring where what you do is you repetitively really feel that emotion, whatever emotion it is, whatever emotion you want. So Tony Robbins does this. Everybody says he has this pre-stage warmup. That's his anchoring routine so that he gets his, he can increase or decrease his energy by doing a what's called an anchoring thing and so hmm. like that moment right there if you think about that really think about you in a flow state and then do a physical movement to connect your brain to something people tap their leg they clench their fists they do different things and you really believe it then you can train your brain to go into that flow state when you want hmm. it's really cool stuff but i saw it there i'm like wow the ability to do that's really cool that that's off topic but anyways get no, back so cool. so your dad saw you do this which it's always it's always that moment yeah. when a father 
is you know maybe he was worried about you and oh, wondering if you're going to do he, something he you know what's interesting <laughs> is he had been an amateur photographer and an amateur inventor and he was he became a father and he had to quit he had to put away the childish things and focus on what he had to do to put food on the table sure and he was a great guy great provider smart guy and i didn't realize how many of my friends he mentored um and i i continue to run into it i would not have you know i ran into a guy that i hadn't seen in 20 years i would have never bought real estate if it had not been for your father and you know it it that uh didn't happen for me until later in life where I wanted to pursue my own dream. And my father was so uh, loving and concerned about me that he went to other people to tell them to coach me on not becoming a photographer. He wanted me to skip that step and go on to being an entrepreneur and to invest in real estate. And a banker, well, a president of a bank called me in, young guy, had a great camera system, had a dark room outside of his house. You know, Rick, uh, I'm president of this bank. I can afford any camera I want. I can do photography on trips. And you know what? That's what you should do. And I said, my dad's been talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and my dad was funny. He would take vanilla from Mexico. It was pure vanilla then when you could only get a chemical extract in the United States. He would take that and give that to all the bank tellers everyone at the bank everyone knew him by his first name and you know he was just a, a great guy with camaraderie and stuff like that so when he asked a favor it was no problem but i was like yeah that was my dad are you do you have any regrets about spending the first part of your career doing photography because we're going to get into the other interesting sure. stuff which kind of ties into the other guests that we've had on the show no no it was you know um you have these different dreams or goals I, I just saw on on facebook they ran a picture in brownsville of uh uh this hotel that i was it no longer exists but i was a lifeguard there and my brother was a lifeguard so i wanted to you know i was like i gotta be a lifeguard and then a friend of mine uh greg had taught while he was working on his master's like oh i want to do that and then it's like that happened for me and it was i never thought i'd really want to teach although my mother was a teacher but it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life it was just awesome photography uh specifically as a playboy photographer you know you and i uh have spoken a little bit about this before about i had stage fright really extreme stage fright from my mom wanting to endear me with cultural uh, foundations. You mean stage fright? Like you didn't like to speak in public. You didn't. Uh... She put me in tap and ballet at four. I had a recital. <laughs> My brother made fun of me the entire time. Uh, I didn't know what a recital was, and so you know, I'm I'm dressed in this feather costume. And your dad was worried about you becoming a photographer. You didn't step in then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I go on stage. It was a big auditorium at the University of Oklahoma, yeah. and. Uh, you're four years old four years old and i remember this i hey, do not anchor this feeling i've been fighting this feeling my entire life <laughs> that's why i've done a lot of other things but um yeah the curtain opens here's like for me as a kid it looked like a thousand people 
I didn't I didn't ever learn the dance. I didn't know what a recital was. And so the girl next to me was so sweet. I remember this. She was turning and she was trying to coach me to turn. So I was turning out of step with everyone else. Sure. And my brother yelled way to go rick and the entire <laughs> audience burst out laughing so whenever i would do anything from then on it that always happened so like uh i was at a christmas play in a rural school and they had real animals and i was a shepherd i was the third shepherd and i had a real sheep <laughs> And my sheep, it turned out, was a jackass and didn't want to move. This is in a nativity scene, I take it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, everyone's on stage. Where's the third shepherd? And <laughs> I'm up there wrestling with a sheep, and I had to grab it by its front hooves and pull it down the whole thing. So people are already laughing. I had to pull it and wrestle it on stage and put my foot on it while they're singing Silent Night. And it's bang <laughs> like it's going to be, you know... Uh, sent to slaughter or something and uh, yeah everyone cracked up I was like yeah this just is not gonna really <laughs> Dude, with that, I was just thinking about that um, the uh, I had to look it up when you're describing this you have this memory that you can't ever shake have you ever seen that movie Central Intelligence with The Rock no no well basically The Rock is massive but he overcompensated his whole life because of one bad experience and whenever he gets insecure, he thinks about that. Uh -huh. And that's kind of what, that's exactly what you're talking about. You had significant stage fright. Oh. And is that... Good um, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I don't know how you did that. That's crazy. Um, but because of that, you had no problem. Would that ever creep up when you were with oh. models and stuff like that? When you were... Basically, what I'm saying is, did the camera allow you to never have that feeling? Um. I didn't experience it one-on-one -on -one or with groups. I experienced it when I would step on stage, be in front of a microphone, be in front of a camera, that kind of thing, when I was going to have to stand up. And, and that's why I started doing classes, acting classes, improv classes. Well, I took the acting class, and it was way out of my league. And a really great person in there said, you know what? I know this great acting coach. His name's Don Shook. And he has a talent for someone like you. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> and he did. He really did. You're a pretty good actor for a photographer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eric and I, whenever we're trying to do different business things, it's like, that's not bad for a butt doctor. You know, yeah. as far as the CRNA goes, you're almost adequate yeah <laughs> for being trained in anesthesia you make a great website other yeah. than that we're going to help you <laughs> no that's hilarious um so obviously you're you were looking for something now to move beyond uh photography we've got about a minute here till this segment ends and we'll take it over but there's going to be a lot more uh to come rick with the way that you've moved from photography to where you are today so how many years did you do the photography with uh, playboy I I shot for Playboy for 20 years, and then while I was doing that, I, I was also free to shoot commercial work. So I shot commercial work all over, and yeah, it was a, just a great run. It was really, you know, fantastic career. In those 20 years, when the technology started to change, how did that make you feel? You know, I think all of us were just thinking it was amazing and, and fantastic, but it actually killed the whole business of being a, you know, uh, the the professional photographer role that I got to have kind of no longer exists. 
but it was great while it lasted. And I, there are new avenues. People are inventing new things, you know, but it's a, it's a new world. Well, then the availability of digital images, I mean, just on the line, online, how people can find sure. them now. It just, it just changed. I mean, just changed the landscape. It's just. Well, it's hilarious. If I take a shot and I upload it to my computer, I press auto enhance. And I'm like, look at that. <laughs> it feels better. Or take, take the red eye out. You can just do it oh. all digitally. Uh, this concert we'll talk about later. Um, 30 years ago, I shot it on film with a camera that didn't have autofocus. And I was at a guitar uh, convention in, in Dallas watching a guy stand in front of everybody very rudely take pictures and watching the screen under his camera as it automatically focused exposed and balanced and the images were great that's the end of this half hour rick is going to tell us a bit more about moving on to some other greener pastures see you back in a moment This is the only 24-hour, take-anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun. We're Spoonie. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Rich Thomason. We're now learning more about President Trump's soon-to-be-released immigration reform plan. It would shift to favoring immigrants with high-level skills, degrees, and job offers instead of those with family already in the U.S., whom officials say now get roughly two-thirds of all green cards. Just 12 percent have been awarded based on merit. The plan would also end the diversity visa lottery, which offers green cards to people from countries with historically low rates of immigration to the U.S. The proposal will focus also on beefing up border security. That's correspondent Sagar Megani. Another of the president's judicial nominees has been confirmed, Korean immigrant Kenneth Lee, taking a seat on the ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Lee is a conservative, constitutionally-minded jurist. Just the kind liberals complained the president's been packing the courts with. He may feel a little lonely in his new role. His college-era writings, critical of homosexual sex and affirmative action, foretell a career in which he'll often be at odds with the liberals still in control of perhaps the most progressive court in all the land. Bob Agnew reporting. New York City's mayor says he's in the race. Bill de Blasio running for president. The Democrat announced his bid with a video released by his campaign early Thursday morning. In announcing his candidacy, de Blasio is seeking to claim a role on the national stage that has eluded him as mayor of the biggest U.S. city. The 58-year-old could face obstacles in distinguishing himself in a field crowded with left-leaning Democrats. He also faces skepticism at home. A recent poll found 76% of New Yorkers say they believe he should not run. Ken Lorman reporting. Home construction rose 5.7% last month, led by single-family home building. On Wall Street this hour, the Dow is up 207 points. The S&P 26 points higher. The Nasdaq up 66. More on these stories at townhall.com. Take the pain out of ordering your diabetic testing supplies with Diathrive. Diathrive ships the testing supplies you need directly to you when you need them. Best of all, with plans starting as low as $8 a month, Diathrive is probably going to cost you less than what you're paying today. Diathrive is so convinced that you'll love their service, they're offering your first month of supplies free. Simply type the code DOC, D-O-C, at checkout. Diathrive.com. That's D-I-A, Thrive.com. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. 
The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-245-0823-800-245-0823-800-245-0823. Call right now. That number again is 800-245-0823. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-570-6630. 800-570-6630. That's 800-570-6630. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Okay, we're back with the second hour of the Gut Check Project, episode number 11. We are joined with Rick Moore. We're going to get uh, back to his story here in just a moment. Quick reminder, if you want your daily polyphenols, go ahead and grab the world's only NSF approved for bloating and abdominal discomfort relief, Atron Teal. You can do so at lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie. Use code Spoonie to save a lot of money. And in fact, Dr. Ken Brown here knows a little bit about it. What about Atron Teal? Atron Teal. So um, we developed Atron Teal realizing that there was an unmet need to have a natural solution to heal people's guts. Basically, if you have irritable bowel or something like that or get bloated after you eat. And now, after we've been in the science, we realize there's so much more to it because of the polyphenols, the same molecules that are in the Mediterranean diet. They actually help do a lot of things. And one of them is decreased inflammation. Inflammation ultimately is the root cause of all problems. So so whether you're bloated today or never, you can always benefit from daily polyphenols and you can get your milligrams, your daily milligrams of Atron Teal's polyphenols at lovemytummy.com slash Spoonie. Use code Spoonie to save a little money. And, and well, by the way, use code Spoonie. This is, this is, this is a secret. You win. That's the contest. Oh, you put yes. in Spoonie. 100% chance you're going to win a giant discount. 100%. You're a winner. Every time. Nobody has written back and said it didn't work for them. I know. S-P-O-O-N-Y. Definitely. And remind you of the contest. All, all listeners out there, don't forget, you simply need to go to YouTube and find the Gut Check Project channel, subscribe, screenshot it, send it to us at gutcheckproject.com that I subscribed And if we choose your name, you just simply have to send us the screenshot. You get a free bottle of Atron Teal and a free bottle of KBMD CBD, the only physician-approved CBD on the market. We were just, uh, we're going to get back to Rick right now. We were just talking about the fact that due to a traumatic tap and ballet experience when you were four years old that carried over and you developed some significant stage fright. Uh, we do know that CBD does, and that's the study I'm going to talk about next week, does help with both anxiety and depression. I'm going to take a little right now while you get back into it and talk about why you decided to take acting classes. Well, and, and on that note, I'm from the generation where 
you know, we were given antibiotics like vitamins. Uh, my vegetables came out of a can. Uh, I had Nestle's Quick, you know, sugar. You mean the generation that's going on right now? Right now. The same my, crap is happening? My, well, I, that's how I grew up. And, and so I didn't know what gut biome was. I didn't know uh, anything about pro, probiotics. I just knew that when I ate beans, bad things happened. And so when Beano came out, I saw that. I was in a... Oh, I was in a drugstore, and my father had said, if you ever find anything, I love beans, but beans don't love me. And so I, I got this bottle, and I went to the checkout stand. I was kind of scared. It was kind of like buying something you kind of are, are embarrassed about. And uh, I, I went up to the, the checkout. as this older lady, super nice. And she was like, do these work, Beano? Really? And there was a, there was a lady behind me and i was super embarrassed and <laughs> she goes you know what you could save a quarter on this and she pulls that mic back down be no check on whatever her, her cashier stand was 25 i was just turning redder and redder but uh that was the beginning and since then you know the atron teal the cbd oil like more and more i'm i'm you know your gut is that's the foundation that's where everything happens and so my gut was a real mess and i i heard part of the melatonin conversation i want to hear more of that because i've had sleep problems and uh just the whole gut health uh is something that i didn't have for a long time and that's something that you know it, it's it's really important well i'm a little bit biased but we always say that all health begins and ends in the gut and I do want to say that we mentioned at the beginning of the show that you own Redbud Medical MJ in Oklahoma City, which happens yes. to be the first dispensary which carries my CBD and my baby Atron Teal. So That's thank right. you for doing that. That's right. Now, the we want to heal why, some guts. Yeah, the reason why we put these together, if you want to get a little geeky about it, if you have any of your clients come in, you're like, why are you selling this? You're like, because gut health is really important because inflammation starts in the gut. And CBD decreases that. But what Atron Teal does, the polyphenols, yes. raise your own anandamide which is your own endocannabinoid so it actually stops the enzyme that breaks it down when we don't sleep or we go through stressful periods this enzyme called faah goes up and you actually decrease your own endogenous endocannabinoid so that's why they go together and that's actually how i got into the science of cbd but that's if somebody comes into your store no so. this is a whole new world and the thing is redbud is um it's a medical mj dispensary cannabis and cbd and atron teal and we have people that you know it, it, it's not you know there's that perception about oh it's this is all a charade to get high and it's not we have real people coming in with real problems we're not doctors you know and this it's so weird that this is this whole new field that the cloak is being pulled off of after 80 years and we're all just starting. And my former uh, former girlfriend uh, is a PhD in neuroscience, and she's she's constantly when we have this conversation, she's like, "Rick, you're not you know these this studies have not been done on this yet." And I'm like, "Yeah, but it's happening. You know, this is happening without studies where things are happening in the store." We'll talk about my manager's father whenever get in that right yeah, now. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. So my manager. Uh, could you imagine if we actually had like a, a producer that was making a stay on script? 
because we're just going. I mean, it's just look at that. Let's go there. Let's, let's. And that's how my life is. Squirrel. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get back to it. So, uh, Christy, her father, uh, and I've known Christy and her family since the early '90s. Christy is your partner in the business, correct? right? She's my manager. She and I dated in the '90s, and. Uh, she has her own and her sisters their own playboy fame they were in a big pictorial in 97 for playboy magazine and you know really really you know cool background and everything but her father was a former oklahoma city police officer and he was he waited way too long he was smoking a cigar sitting on his chair watching tv didn't go to see the doctor in time had stage four esophageal cancer ooh, ooh. so stage four means that it is already spread and the survival of that is pretty low so uh he was given he couldn't swallow anything the uh the facility put feeding tubes in for him and uh he hated the he hated everything his mind wasn't clear at the time he wasn't cooperating he did one round of chemo and they sent him home and said you know what there's really nothing we can do for him and so Christie's sisters took it upon themselves to become his caregivers and through the dispensary we were able to get him rick simpson oil and uh to get him cbd so i'm gonna let eric explain what rick simpson oil is because you're actually very knowledgeable in this rick simpson oil in my understanding is that rick simpson basically came up with a protocol that is high concentrated thc right right and so i think that his theory was that it was going to disable the ability for the either the propagation or the replication of cancerous cells and how they able to prove all that i'm not exactly sure but i do know that it's almost like uh, a distillate in terms of thc so just like you would take a liquor and you're starting with a raw material and then you mm-hmm. of course have to cook and mash and then right. distill down uh, my understanding is basically rick simpson oil is just highly concentrated thc and then they They use it for kiddos who have uh, really bad seizures or all kinds of of different things like that. So the sisters basically put uh, a few drops of that and CBD oil in a teaspoon, gave it to him. uh, And we're just like, we're not going to just let him die. And after three days, his throat started clearing and he was able to swallow his own saliva. After four or five days, the THC kicked his appetite in. And that's some other stories that I'm aware of in my past of, of anyway, that works really well. The THC kicks an appetite in and lowers nausea. So uh, he asked for a donut. They gave him half a donut and he ate it. Then he asked for more and they started feeding him. Uh, so after two weeks, he went in to see the doctor, uh, didn't just saw the nurses. He had gained 16 pounds. They in two asked, weeks? In two weeks. Wow. Uh, ask him what he was doing, and he said, well, I'm eating. I had a Corona and fried chicken before I came in, which is <laughs> not the optimal diet, but the sisters were just trying to give him whatever he wanted sure. to eat and put weight on. Can I comment sure. on the weight gain, which tells a lot to me from a, from a scientific standpoint. So uh, he gained that much weight in that short a period of time. There is something that is very well known. It's tumor wasting syndrome. The tumor itself actually uses up all the energy and actually goes into a catabolic state and that's how come people that get cancer even if it's not a cancer of the esophagus will lose a profound amount of weight 
when you said two weeks, the first thing I thought of is that tumor was shrinking. Yeah. Well, the tumor, the tumor wasting process was stopped. It shrank by 50% Whoa. to their measurements. And they took the feeding tubes out. And so, you know, that's, I don't have a, a, a background for measuring any of this in a scientific way, but you know, things like acupuncture evolved out of a pragmatic approach. And I think that's what's happening. And it may have been happening in the past and we didn't know about it because a patient like that, their doctor might ask him, well, how did you do this? Well, they can't say because in Texas, a vape cartridge is a felony. Yeah. Rick Simpson oil, highly concentrated, felony. a felony. Yeah. And I mean, that's not just sad. To me, that's criminal. So we've had, I mean, we've we've addressed this with Joy Beckerman. Uh, we talked about it with Sean when he was on. Uh, Chris Husong. Chris Husong. We've covered this a lot yeah. because when when you see something that powerful, I see it in my patients when I, the fact that until the farm bill passed, technically CBD was yeah. also hemp-derived CBD, which is a perfectly legal thing. One of the things that we were talking about that Chef Patrick brought up was the fact that um, depression and anxiety and things have been increasing. Everybody says, oh, it's due to technology. Chef Patrick threw something out there. He goes, do you think that started happening when they criminalized the hemp industry and we quit putting it in food and we quit because then we were losing a lot of those phytocannabinoids? Right. Well, I myself, you know, we've been talking about how cool it was for me to be a Playboy photographer and all that. Um, that ended in 2011. The Chicago office was was uh closed down much like the movie uh the secret life of walter mitty yeah. with ben stiller yeah almost everything that happens in that movie i even shot in iceland but you know i wasn't really the photographer character as much as i was also the ben stiller character where i was always dreaming of doing things but everything that happens to him in that movie pretty much happened at the chicago office so i was never fired i was never i didn't quit the office that I worked for ceased to exist, and 300 people that made that work were no longer there. And that happened. My mom became ill. Uh, my a, a friend of mine that, I, as I became a caregiver for my mom, that saw this happening. Can I goes, ask what your mom is sick with? So memory problems, dementia. We okay. tried to get a proper diagnosis. Diagnosis. Um, she couldn't handle the diet at that time to really tell us what it was, and. Basically, what that doctor was saying was just depressing us. So my brother and I uh, became her co-caregivers. And my brother, he's a very pragmatic guy. And he took her off of one pharmaceutical after another until she was only on blood pressure. So she takes, uh, uh, I give her, uh, it's that 369 Omega Balance in a gluten-free waffle in the morning. Excellent. And uh, I put coconut oil on that. She gets CBD in her coffee. Um, she takes a vitamin shake that has everything in it. And so she gets that the every The other thing I would add is that there was a study that came out with absorbable turmeric, where they took two, two parties that have dementia, and because turmeric itself is poorly absorbable, right? but um, there is, there's certain brands that actually cross the blood-brain barrier, and they actually showed that the one group that took that had improved memory and then add Atrantil to it. So that's what, that's what I have all my patients do. CBD, the omega-3s, um, or, or fish oil, 
turmeric and atrantil and you know we, uh, we, we should add things. the atrantil i've tried adding turmeric here and there it hasn't stuck yet so i need to find the one that is you know oh i know a great way to get that yeah sign up for the sub the d hat health box d hat health box and okay you, you we'll to, tell you all about yeah okay. d hat box.com go ahead i'm sorry you're in Chicago. The office is shutting down. It reminds you of the movie. Well, Where do you go from there? A, a, a good friend of mine in Oklahoma that I he he was the my NASCAR crew chief at Sears for the last twenty five years, and my father's before that. And they just closed that Sears. I can't believe it. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I was hoping to hire some of those employees at the uh, the, the dispensary, but not big enough yet. But anyway, um, he said, "Look, Rick, if you." He says, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if you lose your girlfriend, oh, you know, you've got too many things on your plate right now. And it's just that's something else you don't have to worry about. And it happened to me while I was caring for my mom. And then that did happen to me. So it's like my dream job. My mom comes down with that girlfriend gone. And uh, how many other things? Um, one of my best friends passed away. Uh and a, a guy that I'd kind of helped mentor totally stabbed me in the back. Oh. And so I was trying, but my my great friend, Stick Boy, that's been my assistant for 20 years, that guy's solid as a rock. We just went to Panama together. But I went to a, a, a back pain guy that was a, I've tried all these alternative things. He was a, a, a Buddhist healer. And what was interesting- You were having back issues at the time also? Oh yeah. So all this is going on. Oh wow. yeah. and And you know, the guy sat with me for 20 minutes and he said, tell me what's going on with you. And I told him what had happened. And he was like, that guy, after you had helped him pulling that on you, that really hurt your feelings, didn't it? And I <laughs> hadn't thought about it. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess now that you mentioned it, it did. And then he started working on my back. It was like his job to unlock any emotional, you know. Uh, it wasn't all physical. Right. Yeah. And it did ease my back up. Uh, so I, I have tried a lot of different things in this path, but I came down with, I didn't know what depression was. I'd never been depressed. And I would go to a, a place while I was uh, on mom duty uh, that I'd gone to for years. Now there was no one there I knew, but I, I, I drove 45 minutes to go there. It was like a black curtain just came over my eyes mm -hmm. and I was totally uncomfortable there. And I just got back in my pickup truck and drove 45 minutes home and I was okay in front of the television and it should I mean were you developing some social anxiety at this point man or? I, I the th it was so foreign to me I couldn't you know I'd never I'd always been even though I have stage fright in terms of getting up in front of a group I'd never had problems walking up to somebody and talking to them sure or being in a group environment and uh, so that was really weird to me. What I was going to say is that since the I, I've pretty much gotten through that now, like uh, better diet, I became pescatarian. Um, uh, just looking after myself, looking at what I'm eating, looking at what I'm doing, you know, uh, those are the building blocks. And, and so I've gradually kind of been working my way. And so, yeah, I'm pretty good now, but I've noticed having a dispensary now has certain benefits um if i start feeling like that man a little bit of and i'm not the thing is i've never been a stoner i don't uh i i didn't really like the different uh 
experiences the mm -hmm. the variety of effects that it could have or mm -hmm. one time i'd be happy one time i'd be sitting in a chair not wanting to talk to anybody and in high school or something you're just thinking wow that's me and a good friend of mine clued me into that there are these different strains of uh, i never knew that right. this is only like just a few years ago so during my adult life i never smoked and i was very cautious about it so learning about it that there's indica which is more of a you stay it's called couch lock mm -hmm. you want to sit down on your couch you want to watch tv or go to sleep or in eat. the couch yeah yeah and or sativa the upbeat and what's so funny is one of the things that i had smoked early on was alcapuco gold that's not a hybrid it's a pure sativa i didn't know what it was mm -hmm. i had no idea then well now my dispensary carries that oh, really? as a vape and it is so interesting because it's just that you know for me again not really a stoner but that little puff kind mm -hmm. of would bring me out of if i were starting to feel a little down bingo you just keep referring to the redbud medical mj how did you end up even getting in that i mean we're we went from right photography to depression and now we jump forward and you just opened well this store so my brother and i've been taking care of our mom for 10 years um the level at which you have to be able to compete as a photographer at that level is 120 percent. just like you guys put that into your work um you really have to be on it and focused and available because people call you and they need it yesterday. And so me being a month on and a month off, I was no longer able to do that. And when I was with my mom, I could just tell this is where I need to be right now. Mm -hmm. I just, it was a comfortable feeling with her of, you know, she's like the daughter I never had now. Sure. And we have done water aerobics. We, we do lots of fun things together awesome. and it's not like it's, I'm not, I don't want to paint the picture like this is an awful time. I really enjoy it. Sure. And, uh, but I was kind of looking for something else and on my own path of finding, you know, things for my ailments as I'm getting older, things hurt. Uh, you know, I, I'd get some inflammation. And so on this path, I became more and more, uh, interested in cannabis and after the exp explanation, and then a good friend of mine in Dallas, uh, we were talking about investing when it looked like medical marijuana was going to pass as uh, you know a broad-based uh, opportunity in Texas, and it, it really didn't. So with Christy in Oklahoma, she and I were talking about it. She is a sommelier of cannabis. Oh, okay. She can, like, literally a, a grower has come into our dispensary. She'll smell what he brought in and say you know what you need to cure this for another two weeks wow. before you sell it she okay. can tell if it's hydro if it's soil grown um she is literally a sommelier of cannabis and uh i'm i'm lucky to have her so she can Holy take the cow. profiles mostly just from smell and yeah. observation yeah you know what's funny is when we dated i couldn't eat corn nuts the the entire time her senses are so <laughs> acute <laughs> 
And like, I would walk in and I'd be smacking chewing gum and she'd just Get out of look- here with them corn nuts. Yeah, she'd just be looking at me. And even now, like, she would offer me like some chips or something. And then I'd chew them and she'd look at me. And then I, I, I've known her for a long time now. And I'm like, you're irritated. She's like, could you please not chew those? And I'm like, well, why do you keep asking me if I want them? And she goes, I know. I've got to quit asking you. <laughs> that is awesome. Do you, ever, do you ever balance it out and just give her corn nuts to kind of just uh, take no, away? No, <laughs> there's no balancing. She has very, very acute senses. And there's, there's fascinating no, that she yeah. found her way to be gifted at this particular thing. Yeah. No joke. This is wow. You're going to go really far if you have somebody like that. Yeah. She, she calls the shots. Anything we buy, she tests it first. And, and I don't mean that in a funny way, like a Cheech and Chong way, but like she is really, uh, She's really strict on everything. Nothing comes into the store that hasn't passed her test. Yeah, she takes it seriously. I mean, yeah, it's no different than someone who's who's doing a, a sommelier of wine at yeah. a really high end uh, liquor store. So, if anybody's listening, where exactly is your store? Like the uh, address of it? Ten thirty eight West I two forty Service Road, Oklahoma City. So it's on. It's right on the freeway, and we're right next door to a Seven Eleven. Uh, it's in between Penn and Western. So what I want everybody, or let's just have whoever wants to do this, but it'd be really funny. If you walked in, I want somebody to walk into a Redbud Medical MJ with a uh, container of corn nuts and go, is this indica or sativa? And just shove it in her face. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Impromptu contest. If somebody can go in to your dispensary, Red Bud Medical MJ, and take a picture with Christy oh, while man. holding corn nuts. Corn nuts. <laughs> You will be awarded a free bottle of KBMD CBD. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. It, it, it'll be great as long as uh, I don't end up getting, you know, thumbtacked to the wall or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to gutcheckproject.com and then let, uh, let us know that you have the picture. You send it to us after we communicate with you and you will get a free bottle. That's awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah, and it would be even better if it was an action shot as she's like smacking the thing out of your hand and pointing to the door. We do, we do have surveillance cameras, so you know we could catch this That'd on film. Footage. Yeah, that's awesome. We got 30 seconds left before we get to the next half hour. Just a little preview. We're going to wrap up with uh, Rick's going to tell us some great stories about some of his experiences all the way from oh, – he's got a computer here for, for basically for, uh, for Ken to pick from. Oh, that's and right. Then, I've got an interesting study that I want uh, I want both of y'all to weigh in on, and it has to do with how do people shower? Yeah, oh. that's right. You don't know the answer to that yet because we haven't gone through it. Every Tuesday, whether I need it or not. See you in a moment. Dr. Ken Brown here, host of Gut Check Project with my co-host, Eric Rieger. Eric, we've been seeing Mojo guys over there and over here at Spoonie talk about Atrontil for bloating. I've seen in my practice that Atrontil is a whole lot more than just a bloating product. Yes, it does a whole lot more than just fix bloating because of the polyphenols that you find in Atrontil. You're exactly right. The polyphenols are those molecules that we find in the Mediterranean diet. It makes vegetables and fruits very colorful. What are some of the things that these polyphenols 
do, Eric. These polyphenols can actually stop inflammation. They can help you have more energy. They can help you with anti-aging. And polyphenols are great for athletes. It sounds like it's going to help a whole lot more people than just bloating. Tell me how everybody should be taking Atron Teal. If you want to dose Atron Teal, it's two capsules three times a day, basically with your meals. But if you aren't bloated and you just want that polyphenol intake every day, two to three capsules a day will work for you. Go to lovemytummy.com slash spoonie. It looks like you're losing. I am. Are you losing weight? I am losing. I've lost about 10 pounds. How are you doing it? Funny name, but I've done it with Riduzone. R-A-D-U-Zone.com, and the stuff works. It's, you know, you get into all that, the molecule this and the found in that. All I can tell you is it, it's a, it makes you feel full, and it keeps your mind off of wanting to overeat. And also boosts your metabolism, yeah, so you're it burning does. more. Yeah, it Try does. it today. It's going to work for you like it's worked for Brad and countless other people. RidUZone.com, R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Fast Track student loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4395. Where they get those jams, Rick? Yeah, do you like that music? Yeah, that's not too bad, right? Great. <laughs> I hope this wasn't the same music that was being played when you were on stage at four years old. <laughs> Look at me right back into that zone. That's some weird tap music. <laughs> We're back here with the last half hour of episode 11 of Gut Check Project. Joined here with Rick Moore, uh, owner of... of uh, Redbud Medical, Red Medical MJ. My fault there. Redbud Medical What was the grand MJ. opening? I mean, you just started this, so... Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think... We're going to have the grand opening. We're looking at doing uh, a show of my photographs from 1989 nice. at the Moscow World Peace Festival, the first stadium rock concert in the Soviet Union. It was so wild. Wait, say that again? The first rock concert in the it, Soviet it Union? It was the first stadium rock concert. So previously to that, I think Elton John had been there. Billy Joel had been there. They were, you know, great artists. And it was the, the first breaking down of that wall and then this was the first stadium rock concert doc mcgee the famous uh uh band manager of motley Crue and bon jovi and so many great bands he had to do some um uh what is it um civic service for okay. something he did and <laughs> <laughs> and so what he did was he put on these concerts and this was the biggest and mtv was behind it and uh it was so cool uh i i knew i was going to russia i had some friends that did uh ship salvage that i grew up with mm-hmm. one of my best friends josh and um he and I have been through thick and thin since we were 14. And uh, he was, you know, doing this stuff, going back and forth. And I was like, well, I'd like to do that. They needed some photographs. And so this big deal was on the table to do a joint venture with the Ministry of Fisheries. And so in we Russia. got in Russia <laughs> while it was still the USSR. So I went over there, but I called Doc McGee's office before I left. I wasn't a Playboy photographer yet. I don't know what inspired me to do these kinds of things where I was just like, yeah, I'd like to talk to Doc McGee. Um, they, I got his, you know, his people. And I said, look, I'm going to be in Russia. Love to shoot this concert. 
I'm Rick Moore. Work with Playboy as an assistant. And, <laughs> and they were like, okay, fine. When you get there, you know, come by and see us, thinking I would never get there. So I got there. And because we were working with the Ministry of Fisheries, we were able to stay in this one. It was like a mini mall of Western uh, goods and, and activities. What year was this again? 1989. And an average Russian could not walk in there. And no rock stars were allowed to stay there. They stayed at this scary hotel that was built by Stalin. They looked really scary. But they got to come over and eat. And so... Uh, it was called the Mezhdorodnaya, and it was built by Arm and Hammer. And it was what's uh, the Yelp review on that right now? The, oh uh, man, I, I I don't know, <laughs> but back then it was like that was the only four star anything there. <laughs> and so uh, the concert, you know, I was doing my stuff, which is a whole other wild set of adventures and crazy, ad- some of the wildest things I've ever experienced. But uh, the concert happens, so I go over to that hotel hey i'm rick moore i'd like to pick up my press pass we've never heard of you you're not a known concert photographer uh you know no and so i was like wow that sucks (laughs) so i knew that the hard rock was doing a barbecue for the rock stars in Uh gorky park okay so i went over there bon jovi and ricky sambora were walking out i walked up to them john could i have a word with you he goes, yeah. I go, look, I'm Rick Moore. I want to shoot this concert. Contacted Doc McGee before I left, but I haven't heard anything back. I really need to get a get a pass. pass. And he looks at Richie Sambor and he's like, well, we're not really in charge of that. <laughs> <laughs> and they walked away. That was it, huh? So that was, I thought, okay, that's it. It's over. So I was in one of these bars. <laughs> they walked away like, he didn't even ask for an autograph. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Yeah. And you know what I really wanted? I had been in Russia by that time for a few weeks. And the smell of an American hamburger at that time, I mean, I was uh, definitely uh, an omnivore at that point. I wanted a hamburger so bad. I didn't dare ask him, but that's what I should have asked him. That would have been like a, you know, an opener. But anyway, I go back and I'm 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 sulking at the this mini mall place and one of the bars talking to a Russian guy and everyone in this bar, like there was a senator in that bar. It was a small place. Everyone was kind of something interesting. So Doc McGee walks in. And I kind of knew who he was when he walked in. And he just walked up to every single person in the bar and asked them who they were and what they were doing there. Wow. And finally, I, I didn't jump at it. I waited. He walked <laughs> up to my table. I was like, hold, oh. yeah. hold. <laughs> he walks up to the table. He goes, uh, who are you and what are you doing here? And I said, well, my name's Rick Moore. Uh, I'm a photographer. I contacted your office for a press pass. I went to the hotel and they didn't have one for me. He goes, go there tomorrow i was there tomorrow wow and there were my press passes oh fantastic unbelievable how many days was that concert two okay and it was the stadium was ringed by armored vehicles in the middle of the of the floor part there were uh solid lines of army officers and guys in the army like at attention the entire concert. They didn't know what to expect. And so explain the, uh, I guess I've just, I mean, it was a long time ago, but this is the first time that they allowed. Yes. 
uh, American rock musicians, and what did they think? It was going to create a riot? I mean, what were they? They they didn't know what to expect. There were also Russian uh, rock bands, Gorky Park, but it was uh, Cinderella, uh, Skid Row, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Ozzy Osbourne, Scorpions. Scorpions. And you know that That's video, a big concert. Yeah. You know, you know that video, Winds of Change. That's they, they it, mention it in and there, and it has the uh, flower in the gun barrel. Yeah, I was walking behind the Scorpions. Just they were doing their thing. I w- I had my camera. I, I'm not a paparazzi. I wasn't trying to bother them. But there was a Russian army guy holding his gun, and he had a flower in the barrel. That's where that came from. I shot the guy with the gun and the flower oh, separately. Wow. And they recreated it. They became really good friends. That's your picture? No, not my picture. We, I shot the picture, and I have that. They were inspired to put that from seeing that in their video. They recreated it. Oh. And they became, and still are friends, with what was that president's name? Gorbachev. The, of Russia? Yeah, Gorbachev. They became friends with Gorbachev. Yeah, oh, they they mentioned uh, down on Gorky Park at the very beginning of that song. Uh, when's it change? Yeah, I was walking right behind them. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Wow, that is uh, that is a that's an awesome story. Wow, what was it like? Because that okay. So what what part? What time of year was this uh, concert? Summer. It was uh it was in August, like I think August tenth or eleventh. Because it's uh it's two that's two months before the Berlin Wall comes down, right? So uh, you're there right well, before all that. Uh, like all that was brewing. Okay. And I was wondering, see, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a photojournalist. Yeah. But I mean, it was stirring in me like, should I hop over to Germany right now? But I, I didn't. I just, you know, I was on a kind of an assignment and I finished my assignment. But it, I just had some crazy times. Remember in Hunt for Red October mm-hmm. um, and uh, the secret Soviet sub base in Murmansk? Right. It's not a secret Soviet sub-base, and I was in Murmansk, and it's a huge channel, and we were looking at these possible sites for this ship salvage yard, and it was a dairy commune, and we had a like a handler, it's probably a KGB guy, and I have my camera, and there's a Russian nuclear submarine going down the channel, and he you, said- You know see that, okay? He said, you can take photographs this way, and you can take <laughs> photographs this way, but do not take photographs that way. <laughs> and I was like, you know, the thing is, I was on a Navy base as well. I was in a, a whiskey class World War II submarine shooting the insides for possible scrap. And uh, same kind of thing. I was just so happy that they trusted me to be there. It's like the last thing I wanted to do, even though they'd never see the film, but I just, you know, that integrity, I didn't want to be causing any, I was so happy to be there, you know, and everything. But at the dairy commune, they were so proud of their milk, you know, and it was like fresh out of the cow. And I know that's really healthy, but I really haven't had it. And my buddy, Brian is a prankster. So they bring out this, you know, these fresh, I mean, fresh out of the cow, they're warm. There's a lot of stuff floating around in there. (laughs) (laughs) And they're so proud of it. And the looks on their faces and, and Brian goes, I don't drink milk, but my friend Rick, Rick does. loves milk. <laughs> so I just take it like a tequila shot, you know, boom, down the hatch. Look, Rick liked it so much, he would like another. 
That is awesome. But fresh fresh milk, I, I have had fresh milk. It's not, it's not bad. No, it's not, but it's just, you know, I wasn't quite. Hey, you weren't ready. You weren't prepped for it. You're used to Brahms. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, when you say that, I just think of Woody Harrelson in that movie. Oh. Cow. We don't have a cow. We, we have got a bull. bull. <laughs> <laughs> what is it uh, Kingpin? Kingpin. Yeah. Kingpin. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, so you went to Russia. Did you go on any other? Because I think that's kind of crazy considering the time you went to uh, the USSR when they really were pivoting for so, su- for survival. They were just before they ended up breaking up. What was it like to go there? It, it, it was an amazing time. And on the on the assignment that I was on for the ship salvage company, uh, we went to Estonia and Estonia was one of the Baltic republics that was breaking away. Like the USSR was breaking up mm-hmm. at that time. And so I shot photographs at the scrap place and it was, it was great because there were these, uh, really nice women operators in the cranes, you know, lifting the scrap up with magnets and everything. So I shot their photographs when I was back in Moscow. It's like, you're running into people, all the time of, you know, just unbelievable uh, opportunities and stuff. So I ran into somebody from time. He asked where I'd been and I told him, and he goes, please give me all that film. And so uh, they, because Estonia was breaking away, he wanted to see if I had anything that they could run. Unfortunately, they wanted kind of protest in the street and I had been in the scrapyard. So I, I, nothing ran of mine in that, but uh it was ran you know all my film got ran for free at the time lab that gets back into the news sensationalism time has to sell so they need drama and they're like estonia breaking away and there's a woman going hello (laughs) 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 operating a crane (laughs) they are protesting two blocks away and moving when i left dallas uh, a, a friend of mine at one of the uh the commercial uh equipment houses said look rick there are things that you really need to not do while you're there. I know, you know, your background in Playboy. Uh, don't shoot any, uh, like, cityscape shots of the whole city. That's prohibited. Oh. Don't shoot any nudes. He had this whole list for me to not do. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't bring any money back. I successfully did all of those things. <laughs> I I shot the – it wasn't to – it just happened. So while I was in Estonia – um, I ran into a whole group and I shot some nudes and I, I was shooting the whole now, time. I mean, I realized that you spent 20 years shooting nudes, so it's no big deal to you. But I mean, I, so I was, Eric and I were traveling. We bumped into a group. Everybody got naked. Somebody showed up with a camera. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, what are you talking about? How do you, I bumped into a group and I shot some nudes. <laughs> oh, well, you know, what's interesting is, uh, at that time, uh, it was the first, and I, I, well, I, like in asking how I got my break for Playboy, when I was an assistant, I got to know some of the editors. And so I was always pitching stuff. Hey, I'm going to Russia. Do you guys need anything? You know, maybe. And so one of the editors said, look, this is top secret. We're doing the first ever pictorial of the women of Russia. Hmm. And uh, you might be able to help me out. So call me when you're there. So I met the photographer who was a fashion photographer shooting this i saw his film which was very blue and he said well it is my style i like people to look dead 
That's what he said. And so I called the editor. I was like, Jeff, he likes people to look dead. I'm here. I could, man, I could shoot this. I saw the models. The models were great. He's like, no, Rick, this has to be done by a Russian photographer, but I need you to help him. Uh, I'm going to talk to him. I want you to talk to him. We need to get the skin tones back on track. He handled that. He goes, I need you to bring some of this film back. We need to get the skin tones back on track. We need to look more alive. More alive. (laughs) Let's take the the gray out. I understand. So uh, I smuggled back half the pictorial. And uh, it was, uh, I had had a friend in Venezuela that was half Russian. His mom was Spanish. His father was Russian. He was born in Venezuela. He had moved to the Soviet Union for all this new big stuff. If you traded rubles uh, at the bank, it was like eight rubles to a dollar, and mm-hmm. things were expensive. If you traded them on the black market, it was like 50 rubles to a dollar. It was an amazing difference. And so at the end of this, I had all these rubles. So when I went to go through customs, I kept a few for souvenirs, and I handed the guy like, a tremendous amount of rubles. Oh wow! So my film had no problem, no problem getting yeah. through. <laughs> and <laughs> you bribed yeah. somebody in an altruistic way. Here, have this. Yeah. Well, that's what we Keep going. Know, <laughs> don't look at the pictures. <laughs> Brian was more worldly than I, and uh, we were trying to get into restaurants to eat because the stuff we were eating was all like uh, salad and borscht, or I, I don't know. Anyway, we couldn't get into this restaurant. So Brian also grew up on the border. I grew up in like Oklahoma and the border of Mexico and Texas, those two places just back and forth. And so it's called Mordida. And he put some money in the palm of his hand and he shook the guy's hand that was outside of the restaurant. Oh, let me show you to your table. We walk in, there's no one in the restaurant. So we learned that's how it operated. Everything you wanted to do, was possible with money in your hand and after that you know the world was our oyster everything everything opened up so where did you go after that did you you take any other uh, comparable overseas trips where you felt like you you were on alert for how you interacted with the locals the government like you did in russia you know what i get pulled over once in a while uh i was with my mom i took her on a trip up to oklahoma and it was, you know, that was tough. And I'm getting her back. She's been nine hours in the truck, you know, and she's only doing this because of her trust for me. She's never, uh, her memory of my brother and I have never, every day, she calls me Ricardo. That's my name. And she's like, Ricardo, do you like your name? I gave you that name. And we have this conversation. Every day she does that? Oh, every day. Wow. And so... Uh, her trust in me and in my brother is absolute. So I'm driving her this whole way. We get 10 minutes from the house. I get pulled over. And the guy comes up and I roll down my window. I'm like, officer, I know I was going 55. <laughs> and he goes, uh, well, uh, one of your license plate lights is out. And I said, really? Because I have those checked. Do you mind if I get out and look at it? I go around to look at it and they're both on. Oh, boy. I go, hmm. officer, they're both on. He goes, well, I couldn't see it from 250 feet. And I said, well, You'll have to take that up with Chevrolet. I don't make the truck. I just drive it. And he goes, well, let me just go ahead and run your license. So then I, that's their thing. Now, they, are you coming back from? Coming back from Oklahoma, 
Oh. And, and, but, but he didn't. He just pulled me over to run my tags sure. and my license. So after he gets out, I said, look, I know you're under pressure to do this. I just want to tell you that I've been in a police state. I've been in the USSR when it was the USSR. I've been stared down by a police officer on literally when you said the sun, who's going to blink first. Yeah. I mean, it's a stare for a long time, just looking at you, seeing what you're going to do because they can do it. And I said, this is the United States. I value the freedoms here and you're better than this. You need to go back to your commanding officer and tell him about this. You don't just pull people over because you want to run their tags. Now that's happened to me a few times and I give them the same speech and they always get rid of me quickly. Like I'm not the guy they really, cause I can keep going on about this and it's important to me. How many We're, times has that happened? It happened. Uh, it's happened three times. Once I was driving a van going from South Texas to Oklahoma and I uh, like somewhere around Austin, uh, highway patrol literally turned around, came over and pulled me over because of the van, he goes, it's Nash. This is when they could uh, take your vehicle. If you had anything, any, like a seat in it, anything um, they could take it. So he goes, uh, you know what? It's national drug day. I'd like to search your van. I said, you know what? Go ahead. So as he starts searching, I give him this whole spiel on what it's like to be in the USSR. <laughs> this, this guy's going, Oh, Crap, he he didn't <laughs> he didn't get past the captain's chair. So he was like, "Okay, I'm done." Yeah. <laughs> but like my mom was like that, you know. For her, being asked for her social security number was criminal because in her generation they were promised that Americans would always be individuals. You would never be a number. This would never be used as identification, and that's what it is. That and generations later, oh, here's my social security number. You know, you're a number. They were held hostage to it too. I mean, that that goes for a pretty good price on uh, the dark web, etc. Because people can use it mm -hmm. to gain access to your credit, etc. It's kind of wild. That's yeah. going to turn events like that. Is um. Oh, I thought you were going to go into a LifeLock commercial. I thought that maybe they are now sponsoring our show. Well, so, my, I've, had, I've had <laughs> identity theft, and my brother has. And my brother found... Did you guys take each other's? No, my, bro, my brother found the person that stole his identity. Wow. And so I thought, you know what? I can do that, too. So I found the, the guy that took mine. And How did you do that? Um, you know, it was, it was somebody I'd met. Somebody that uh, I had a house on Lover's Lane where I had a studio and I had roommates. He had grabbed my mail and I backtracked and uh, somebody like American Express called me and said, Mr. Moore, the card that was canceled for identity theft is trying to be reopened. And so I proved that I was the real Rick Moore. And I said, can you tell me the phone number this person's calling uh, from? And he did. And which was really cool on his part. I went to that office with Stick Boy. And I said, somebody here did identity theft on me at this office. So I didn't find who it was because there were 30 extensions, but I ha that gave me a clue. So with those clues, you know, I was able to kind of start putting it together. I turned it into, uh, you know, the, the Dallas police. I don't know if anything happened, but I ran into a homicide officer that helped me on some of this. And he said he had identity theft. And even though he was a police officer, they didn't do anything about it. Wow.
That doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. It's yeah, but I see this being some sort of uh, WGN new um, series. I'm Rick Morbid. I'll solve this crime. Like, when the cops have nowhere else to turn. <laughs> this big Machiavellian like plan. And... So yeah, on top of being a pilot, a comedian, well, you now, you now can can reverse engineer and find out who's stolen your identity. I'm only a student pilot and because anything i do i'm very careful about like i didn't say i was a playboy photographer right until after playboy sent me a card saying i was a playboy photographer and that assistant that stabbed me stabbed me in the back he assisted me like 10 times and started telling people he was a playboy photographer so that kind of thing irks me um so in being a pilot you know that's i started to do it as a hobby it is super uh entailed i mean navigation uh all the things that you have to cut just operating the radio sure um it's very intense and so i i get going on it and then i get into another project like redbud medical mj and then i have to kind of shut down the pilot thing but i uh, as we had discussed earlier i i bought a small airplane i got a really good deal on it and so it's kind of throwing my hat over the wall. Like I bought a camera before as a Playboy photographer, <laughs> but I had every intention of becoming a Playboy photographer. That's so, awesome. I have an idea. <clears throat> What's that? I would like to up the ante on the on the prize. Okay. So if we can get a, uh, a photograph of anybody going to Redbud Medical MJ, shooting a picture <laughs> with Christy with corn nuts. Corn nuts. You will get a free bottle of CBD. Nice. I'm going to up it give you a free bottle of Atrantil. Okay. And then, if you happen to be in the process of going through a destination wedding, Rick Moore will fly you to your destination. He will then shoot the wedding <laughs> as the wedding photographer. You will MC the pre-dance, tell a few jokes, because you did do the comedy class. And then, during, it probably will have to be like an orthodox type long ceremony, you will at least try to solve any unresolved crimes of either wedding party. Um, according to my availability. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the prize. Make sure you go to a Red Bud Medical Engine and take a picture. <laughs> now, uh, you wanted to talk about comedy. Or, yeah. or you want to dip well, in some comedy? Well, I think you got some comedy right here, don't you? Okay. Well, you got, well here, this is going to yeah. be a quick, and you, you had improv class, right? Yes. So I want Rick's feedback, and here we've got about three minutes to run through this great little thing. But um, I ran across mm. a study, and basically a, a new survey presented by Water Quality and Health Council found that 51% of Americans reported using a swimming pool as a communal bathtub during the summertime. And they didn't, <laughs> I know. You know I was a lifeguard. I know. This all comes full circle. Even though 64% of Americans know that pool chemicals do not eliminate the need for a shower, they just do it anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and the fact that uh, urine will actually deactivate the chlorine that's in there. That's, urine deactivates it? Yeah, it does. And and, and uh, what's even more awesome is that 48% of adults admitted to, yeah, I still pee in the pool. So, um, it's, Come on. That's, that's 90 I we know it's ninety. If they're drinking alcohol, it's a hundred. <laughs> That's like I remember. Have you guys ever floated down the um, the, 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 the river Guadalupe? Guadalupe River? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody's sitting there, and you're like, 
nobody's gotten out and there's just <laughs> In the tons of beer three being hours you yeah. notice that the the feet per second's going up because the water's raising because everybody's <laughs> urinating yes yes so the last part to this it led me to find this yale study and they uh no i'm sorry uh there's a twitter there was a twitter uh question that came out by a guy named connor arpwell and it just simply said do you wash your legs when you take a shower and so it got over 3,000 likes and over 800,000 respondents, which is a lot, I think, for a Twitter question. And essentially, it got me thinking that a lot of people don't intimately think or don't think about what they still do or hold is probably the last thing an American adult has a, is a period of intimacy on. You know how you shower. You're not really thinking about what it is that other people are doing when they shower because you don't, you don't see people when they shower. So do you wash your legs when you shower? I mean, I think I do. I use soap and I, I scrub. But then they, they had some other questions on there like, do you ever shave while you're in the shower? Have you ever done that? I, uh, that's the only way I shave. Okay. I have a tough beard with soft skin. Sure. So I use I, I, my play. Like there was one Playboy editor that was really nice to me. Kevin, he's the one that gave me uh, the Hawaiian Tropic assignment, which was, he goes, Rick, when people think of you as a Playboy photographer, this is what they think of. Me having drinks by the pool with 120 models, you know? And so it was, uh, a sh it's an oil, it's a real small uh, bottle, and you just put, you know, it, it's so good in the shower. That is the best. That, well, I mean, I shave in the shower just because it's convenient and it takes all the whiskers off whenever I trim around. It just makes it that much easier. Yeah. But, uh, well, Rick, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And it is Red Bud Medical MJ Dispensary in Oklahoma City, the Josh of some trades. I love it. And, uh, will go you do us Christy. a huge favor <clears throat> if um, anybody walks into your store and yells, Spoonie, will you give them a discount on our front deal? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Oh, yes. But uh, other than that, no discounts. On, on <laughs> but can, can I just uh, do a shout out to Jay Shanker, who was a young attorney that we were hailing the same cab in Moscow. He turned out to be from Oklahoma, entertainment attorney for MTV, and he's helping me with this show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. 30 years later. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jay, shout out to you. Ken? All right. That was a great show, Rick. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. That was fun. GCP 12 coming next. Thanks, Rick. This is the only 24-hour take-anywhere platform dedicated to food and fun. We're Spoonie. When you drive with Uber, what moves you moves us. That's why we provide drivers with the option to sign up for instant pay so you have the power to decide when and where you cash out. What moves me is my niece back home. I always try to send her something I know she'll love. That's what moves me. Uber, what moves you moves us. Get started with Instant Pay when you sign up to drive with us at uber.com slash drive. Experiences driving with Uber may vary. Drivers who are signed up with Instant Pay can cash out up to five times a day. Terms apply. Get fast in-home Wi-Fi that you can control with Xfinity XFi. See who's online, pause your Wi-Fi, or even set a curfew for the kids. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get fast speeds and the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. Plus, enjoy great coverage throughout your home and on the go. Even manage your in-home Wi-Fi network from anywhere when you download the Xfinity XFi app. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store to switch today. Restrictions apply.